all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason, you. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. Good morning. This is Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. And I'm your host, Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Nursing and Preventive Medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. And today we're doing the great carb debate. Carbs have been out in the news uh, in the past couple of weeks, and so we want to answer your questions about those and let you know what the latest evidence is telling us. My guest is going to be Kathy Warwick. She's a registered dietitian and diabetes expert, so she knows all about carbs. If you have a question or a comment, we want to hear from you. Our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 And my email is fit at mpbonline.org. We'll be back after the news. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Nursing and Preventive Medicine at UMMC. And joining me in the studio today is Kathy Warwick. She is a registered dietitian and certified diabetes educator and um, been on the show multiple times and always an excellent guest with a wealth of knowledge about nutrition. And we're going to be focusing on carbohydrates today. Those have been in the news, especially over the past week or so. And we want to help you kind of wade through some of that information about carbohydrates. If you have a question or a comment, we would love to talk with you. Our number is one eight seven seven. MPB ring. It's one 672 7464 Or you can always send me an email and that address is fit at mpbonline.org. Good morning, Kathy. I am good. And, you know, this is one of my favorite topics always when you come on to talk about nutrition. But, you know, carbohydrates uh, get kind of a bad rap from from different folks, and they tend to be a very polarized topic. People are either pro-carb or anti-carb. And very adamant about uh, their oh, position. Oh, yes, they are. They are. And, you know, what I want to really focus in on today is that nutrition is a science. Nutrition is not uh, an opinion. It is not... Um, just something that one person comes up with and does. Uh, it, there is a science behind it. And, you know, for me, I will always go where the science leads me um, with relationship to nutrition. So whatever the evidence is telling me, that's what I'm going to tell tell my patients and tell listeners is what the evidence says. Well, and I've been a dietitian for a very long time. I hate to even say how long. But anyway, <laughs> I've over the years heard so many people say, well, Lord, you know, today it's good for you. Next week it'll be bad for you. And part of that is based because we are looking at the science Mm -hmm. and we are learning all the time. And so things do change based on new studies and new evidence and new ways that we can look at um, the same topic from a different angle. Mm -hmm. So I just back from my big association of diabetes educators meeting and learned a bunch of new things. And here we go again, I've got to rethink some of the things I teach and Mm -hmm. some of the things I've known to be quote facts, because they're changing. But uh, so we got to keep an open mind. And we've got to think in terms of everybody's different as well. And so there's some really good new science out there about all kinds of things that have to do with blood sugars and diabetes and carbohydrate and healthy diet. So I'm excited we get to talk about yeah, it today. And I always learn something when you come on as well. So let's talk about carbohydrates and, and what they 
are. So there's several different kind of macronutrients that we talk about, and those are what? What are those macronutrients? Well, we have the simple three list, you know, of fats, carbs, and protein. And and carbs have been in the news so much, I don't know if I have to define those anymore. <laughs> but, but um, you know, they can – I always say it's like an umbrella – and under that umbrella are the things that we think of as being sugars or sweets, and then the things we think of as being starches, and then fiber. And so you'll hear the terms good carbs and bad carbs a lot of times from people, and what they're referring to are, are what the term is supposed to, I don't like good and bad. I don't you know either, because no, <laughs> no food is bad. But either. I think we do, um, we do try to focus on increasing our higher fiber carbs and the carbs with more nutrition value are uh, so our our pure sugars and sweets you know we want to minimize that intake but we want not to make some of our starches and higher fiber carbs quote bad guys just because they're a carb they're carbs so our bodies need all of those types of carb and i think the popularity of some of the diets that completely try to leave out all carbs or most carbs miss the boat a bit in that our bodies weren't meant to be without carbs Mm -hmm. perhaps we can make better choices right doesn't mean it's free for all on the cookies exactly you know Uh, but uh you know so you mentioned good and bad and we We don't like we don't like those terms, Um, but more slightly more scientific terms or more appropriate terms that you may hear: simple carbs versus complex carbohydrates. And so, the complex carbohydrates are usually the ones that are going to have more fiber in them, like you mentioned, um, whereas the simple ones are more sugar-based type things and are going to so the the complex will have more of the vitamins and minerals Mm -hmm. you need as well, and. The study that just came out that you and I were so excited about. Yes, I should was, not have been that excited, but I was very excited. I know, but we're nerds, <laughs> right? right. So we're nutrition nerds. That's right. Um, it was really great because it, it was a meta-analysis, which means they took a lot of studies. They went through and picked out the best ones where there were um, control groups and there were um, data that were analyzed correctly and they weren't rats, they were people right. and all of that. And what they did is there were a, about over 15,000 mm-hmm. adults that were in this study, and they were from across the world. So, And makes, some right here in Jackson. Right. Yep. So we had a representative sample mm-hmm. um, from here as well. And they, they looked at um, a retrospectively, in other words, they looked back to see um, who ate um, a low-carb diet and who ate a high-carb diet and who sort of had a little moderation and ate somewhere in the middle. And what happened to those folks over an extended period of time? Mm -hmm. And so what they did was look at the number of people who died from all different causes. causes. right? So not not just from heart disease or diabetes, but from all causes. And what they found was very interesting. At the very lowest end of the carbohydrate intake was one of the highest mortality rates. And then at the very highest end of the carbohydrate intake was the highest mortality. So in other words, it kind of looks like a big U-shaped curve. Mm -hmm. And in the middle are those that ate carbohydrate in moderation. And they were about 1.8 times less likely to die from all causes. From all causes, right. So what what I have always said, and, and of course, you know, it's my gut feeling, so... I'm glad to see some of this. Some science out. backing it up. Yes. Yeah. But there's got to be something wrong with a diet that lets me have a big pile of bacon, but <laughs> won't allow me to have an apple. Right. I've always thought that was just counterintuitive. Or a piece of bread. Right. You know, so a piece of whole grain bread. This study pretty much then shows us that when you take out all the carbs, you're going to put more fat and more protein in your diet, as those are the big three. Right. And... Interestingly, the type of fat and the type of protein also matters. Mm -hmm. So that bacon is not the best choice if I'm going to lower my carb intake because it's a higher saturated fat source. If I choose to instead substitute some of my carbs with leaner protein sources or even plant protein sources. So we're back to... Eat more veggies, eat more fruit, eat more whole grains, use your your dairy as part of your carb allowance as well, and get a better balance Mm -hmm. of nutrients. And I think that we've known that, 
but we look for fast, quick, mm-hmm. easy ways to lose weight. And indeed, you know, kind of shocking your body by taking away all the carbs gives you some short-term weight loss. But what this study found was that the most effective weight loss and health maintenance came with long-term being fairly moderate with our intake. All right. And so I think that moderation, we hear that term thrown out a lot, everything in moderation. Right. right? And, but what we don't do a great job of is telling people what, what is moderation? What is moderation? Because it could be very different for, uh, from what people would think moderation could be. Exactly. But when you look at the fact that a large proportion of us eat way too many carbohydrates right you know even backing down to a moderate intake is not cutting out all of your carbohydrates you no. know folks think well i just i can't have that because it's a carb you know and and what you know what is a, a carb and one of those quote good for you carbs or complex carbohydrates you know i had someone recently who we were doing a dietary history and, um, you know, they had a pretty typical diet of what, you know, a lot of folks have. And, you know, they were doing, you know, kind of mashed potatoes and fried chicken and that kind of stuff for lunch, you know, out. And so we were talking about, you know, how could we pack a lunch at home and, and take that? Mm-hmm. And, you know, so we were talking about, you know, just a you know peanut butter and fruit sandwich, you know. And they said, well, I can't have that because it's got bread on it. And I was told that bread Or there was a banana right, in right. there. We can't have a banana. Right, that that's sweet. bad for my diabetes, right? right? And I was like, well, it is not any worse for you than the, you know, the fast food that you're eating. It's about how we pick ones that are going to digest more slowly and they're going to give you vitamins and minerals along with, you know, the, the, the calories that you need for right. your heart and things like that. Um, that's also why we are now seeing more studies on the... Now, I don't want to put anybody off on the, you know, by saying the Mediterranean diet. This right. does not have to be an expensive, fancy buy, right. fancy food type mm-hmm. diet. But basically, their diet is higher in plant protein, higher in fruits and veggies. They do eat the whole grains, everything in, in, in balance, more or less, without so much of the sweets and the and the simple carbs, mm-hmm. as we were saying. So... The Mediterranean diet's got a lot of good research behind Mm -hmm. it to show that it helps people with diabetes better control their blood sugars. Now, also at my meeting, I heard about, (laughs) well, you and I have talked about the gut bacteria and how they play a very important role. And we're just scratching the surface of what we know there. But some really good information about how that higher uh, fruit and veggie and whole grain diet feeds the good bacteria right. in the gut and the good bacteria in the gut influence your immune system and as it turns out how full you feel after a meal and how well your blood sugars do after right. a meal right. so we may not even still know the real answer to why that moderate carbs with more plant foods does a better job mm-hmm. but we think that perhaps those gut bacteria are playing that right. middleman role right. and they're really the ones that are driving our blood sugars and mm-hmm. our immune system. Yeah. So it, it's real interesting to see the big picture coming together. Right. Because, you know, the term probiotics has been used a lot. And yes. that, you know, it's often um, talked about in terms of fermented types of foods or mm-hmm. cultured types of foods like yogurt or kombucha or those types Sauerkraut's of sauerkraut yeah. or in a, a supplement, you know, a probiotic supplement. But what you're talking about is the prebiotics, which exactly. are the things that feed the healthy bacteria that are already there. And that's things that are rich in fiber. So your plants and your fruits and your whole grains. And, you know, we... Be- we, we don't even know how to recommend correctly, probably, the, the probiotic that right. you might take by mouth. Now, we're, we're all into let's do it quick and easy, and uh, I can take this probiotic supplement, and it'll mm-hmm. do the trick. Right. But what we know is that you can't sustain the growth of those healthy bacteria without getting that prebiotic mm-hmm. or the food that feeds the gut, mm-hmm. the, the good gut bacteria. There even were some wonderful informa- studies and information about um, the order in which I eat my meal can make a difference. And so um, one study took uh, a group of, of folks and they, they used the same group of people mm-hmm. and then they, they changed the order in which they ate their, their okay. macronutrients. So the, the folks were serving as their own control, essentially. Right. right. And so they fed them first a meal that was primarily vegetables with protein and they ate that and then they waited 15 minutes to eat their carb. And what they found was their blood sugars didn't spike 
and they've That's stayed nice. more cool. normal for much longer after the meal than if they flip-flopped that and they ate their carbs first, waited 15 minutes, and then ate their protein and their veggies. So veggies first mm-hmm. works really well. So one of the things I've been talking to my patients about is getting that salad or that bowl of vegetable soup as sort of a, quote, appetizer and it makes you feel full and mm-hmm. you tend not to be as hungry. And then your lean protein and maybe your whole grains and, and your veggie, your uh, starchy or, or um, toward the end fruit at the end. Mm-hmm. And it, it's just we're learning so much more about the fact that you don't have to change everything you like to eat. But mm-hmm. perhaps, you know, just substituting here and there could make a lot of difference for you. Yeah, that is all of that is so interesting. And I want to talk more about that because I have not seen that study. And that makes me very excited. <laughs> so we're going to very, very quickly take a break. When we come back, we've got a caller on the line that we will get to and talk with her. And we'll talk more about kind of what moderate carbohydrate intake is. Um, So what that kind of magic number is when we come back from the break uh, in just a moment. And our number is 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672-7464. And you can send me an email at fit at mpbonline.org. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, and joining me in the studio today is Kathy Warwick. She's a registered dietitian and certified diabetes educator, and we are tackling the topic of carbohydrates today. People either love them or hate them or are (laughs) unsure what they're supposed to do about them, and that's what we're trying to help a little bit with today. If you want to give us a call, our number is 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672-7464. And my email is fit at mpbonline.org. All right, Kathy, so you gave us some great new um, articles that have come out and information that have come out and we've been talking about. But we do have a caller, and we have Sue from Beaumont, who's been waiting on us a little bit. And so we want to go talk with Sue. Good morning, Sue. Good morning. I, it's refreshing to know that you, research has shown that carbs do have a place in our diet. Mm-hmm. But of course it does, you know. Yep. But now, I was always astonished by the Atkins diet that said you could eat all the bacon and fats and stuff like that <laughs> if you wanted to, which was always seemed horribly unhealthy to me. But I saw Dr. Oz on a television show last week, and researchers and researchers on there showing that red meat has a place in our diets too, and they were demonstrating different cuts of meat and you know the, how much fat was in each kind of meat. But uh, I think red meat has a place in our diet, and carbs have a place in our diet. It's not just you can't just cut out one thing, you know, because red meat has B12 in it, and mm-hmm. that's where you get a lot of B12. And so I just thought I'd mention that, that yeah. everything has to be done in moderation. And that's just the, the tricky thing in real life sometimes is that we have families we're feeding. And, um, <laughs> right. you know, I had a lady in class the other day say, um, my family doesn't like, quote, healthy food. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, what? well, since when did healthy food become food that's not tasty mm-hmm. or that doesn't have enough variety that you can please everybody? Right. Um, no, you shouldn't have to cook two different meals. Um, and, or and, three. <laughs> yeah, there, there's no way that you can do that when you have real, real world um, right. schedules. But I think we, in moderation, to 
me means that we look at each meal through the day. Um, the The amount of carbohydrate they recommend or the amount that's very typical for people with diabetes and without is somewhere between about 45% and about 55% mm-hmm. of your calories for the day or about half. And that's, that's a little hard to translate into the real world, but for somebody, um, my size, that's probably about 140 to 150 grams of carbohydrate mm-hmm. in a day. I'm only about five feet tall. And, um, I, I think that's, you know, not the average female. The average yeah, I'm female. I'm a little bigger than that. I'm a little <laughs> taller and I got a little bit more on me so I can get away with a little bit more. But I usually try and shoot for somewhere around 175 grams mm-hmm. of carbohydrates. Some, But I don't, I'm not going to be rigid about that. Some no. days I'm going to go over. Mm-hmm. Some days I'm going to go under on that because it's about enjoying your food, mm-hmm. enjoying your, your life. And really we're talking about what is your ultimate goal that you're measuring your success against because the attractiveness of these other diets of these cutting things out is the fact that you lose weight pretty quickly and that's that makes sense because you're cutting a food group out of your diet and so you're making the other food groups or the other workers work twice as hard to Mm -hmm. do things and so you are going to lose weight and so if you're measuring your success or your healthiness as a number on a scale right then those diets are very attractive and will get you to that goal initially 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 initially, yes um but very few people not saying there are there aren't people who who make that their their lifestyle pattern way of eating but very few people stick to that rigid of a diet for the long haul that's right 40 50 60 years so what can you do that you can feed your entire family right and that you can stick with forever and, uh, you know, I, I frequently think about our, our grandparents and great-grandparents that lived on the farm. And I hear this in my diabetes class a lot, you know, like, well, they they ate this big old breakfast and they had bacon and sausage and eggs and all that um, every day. And, and they'll give these examples. And they lived to be 90-something years mm-hmm. old. And, you know, I've talked about the fact that um, we do have now studies that show the bigger breakfast we eat and the the more moderate lunch and then the very minimal dinner yeah. in the evening does change your metabolism does improve your blood sugar does improve your uh weight your sleep all kinds of things that all play into that total health that we're talking about. So there's some new and new studies out there that say really ought to eat about 50% of our calories before um, mid morning. Right. And then uh, maybe just 30% or so at lunch and another 20 mm-hmm. little tiny piece at right. supper time. Right. So this goes back to a conversation you and I had before about sort of intermittent fasting, right? The new, new research shows that if I ate that bigger breakfast and a kind of stop eating much around you know eight to ten hours later in other words i'm not really fasting but i'm i'm weighing those calories in early in the day and then i'm letting them decrease as i as the day goes on that i I will do much much better Mm -hmm. in terms of my metabolism and, and weight and sleep and all those things so there's a lot still we've got to learn, and I think we are um, seeing that our grandparents had the right idea. They ate the big breakfast. They ate a fairly light lunch, which was generally always almost all vegetables. Right. And then at night, they might be so tired and it was so hot, they drank a glass of buttermilk and ate a piece of cornbread corn and went to bed. Yeah, some pains, maybe. <laughs> yeah, but they worked physically very right. di- very hard all day as well. So the physical activity is another huge piece of that overall health that I think we, you know, we neglect sometimes for, I'm, I'm eating this very restrictive diet. I don't really need to worry about my exercise. Right. And and it's all got to fit together. It does. For, for sustainability. And, you know, kind of, as I was mentioning, very few people are going to be able to adhere to a very restrictive diet for the long haul, you know, and it, it creeps back up on you, you know, so if you've cut a large food group out of your diet, you know, at some point you go, oh, well, you know, I can have just a few of these things. So, you know, I can have a a small roll, you know, and so you eat that and nothing terrible happens, you know, (laughs) you don't explode or anything like that. And so the next day you're like, okay, well, I'm going to start adding a little bit of that 
back because I, I'm okay, you know. And, and But what has happened is when you lost all that weight, you lost some lean muscle tissue yes. as well. And the lean muscle tissue is what burns things for you. It's what drives how much you burn during your just daily life. That's why everybody's kind of metabolic rate is slightly different depending mm-hmm. on how much muscle mass they have. And so <laughs> the reason we get mad at men because they can <laughs> right. lose weight faster. They have more they muscle have more than, muscle than mass, women do. You know? so. And so, you know, now you're adding calories back in, but you've lost a lot of your burning fuel, which was that muscle. And so you gain the weight back and then you gain back even a little bit more. You know, I posted a little picture on my social media the other day that probably made some folks mad, but it had a picture of a, you know, a relatively normal sized individual. And it said before a fad diet. And then there was a picture beside it that said after a fad diet. And she was happy and very skinny. And then it was like after, after a fad diet. And it was, she had gained her original weight back and had then gained some more weight on top of that. Because that really is the reality that we see in most folks with it with is. these restrictive diets. And then they just bounce to another diet to try and find something that works. that works. And, you know, it hurts my heart when I'm scrolling through social media because the majority of the the memes and gifs that I see are related to um, the humor associated with food, like me trying to eat healthy and it's a dog that's just staring at a, a bowl of carrots and is slapping it and looking at it ridiculous or, you know, somebody licking a window when they're thinking about snacks, you know, and everybody knows these memes that I'm talking about. They're yeah. out there and it doesn't have to be that way, no. you know, to eat no. healthy doesn't mean that you have to be miserable and that you just eat a bowl of carrots. That's, right. that's not what we're trying De- to do. Deprivation never, never seems to be... A very sustainable way to go about things. And we're human and we don't like to be told that we shouldn't have this or that in our food sources. And we get to a point where we just get tired of being deprived or feeling like we're missing out. and Or that we're being punished. Uh, yeah, and I, that's not the way you want to live the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. But in order to maintain your health for as long as you can... It's lots easier to be more in the middle of the road on those type things. And I, I do think, even as a dietitian, don't tell anybody I said this. I won't but tell anybody. I don't want to lose my job. But I think <laughs> I think the nutrition is important, very important. But I think exercise yeah. is your trump card. Yeah. And I think if we're not working on sustaining muscle, especially as we get older and, and lean body mass goes away, we're going to have a difficult time maintaining a healthy weight. Mm-hmm. So um, it's just a fact that we really ought to all be incorporating movement into our day every day and, and working to, to maintain that muscle. Because um, weight loss a lot of times, especially in some of the studies we've seen recently with women, is, yeah, we lose weight, but a good portion of it, as you said, can be muscle and bone. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to lose any bone. Right. I, I have family history of osteoporosis. I don't want to lose my muscle because I really want to still be able to do have things, that quality right? of life that I can climb and do and tote and pick up things and, and work in my garden. And so so our goal should be that we maintain that muscle and bone. And again, the nutrition is so important there we get the right amounts of protein and the right amount of calcium, vitamin D, and all those things that go with it to maintain the lean body mass, and we can burn more calories mm-hmm. as well with more muscle. So it's a it's a big picture that we've got to kind of look at all the puzzle pieces. Right. And um, it doesn't work to leave half the puzzle pieces out. Right, right. <laughs> it will not build a complete picture. And, you know, again, that goes back to what is your ultimate goal? Is it the number on the scale or is it how healthy and how thriving you are? So, you know, for me, when I started training with a trainer, you know, my husband was like, I mean, are you trying to get get bulky? That's my least favorite word. You know, no, I was not trying to get bulky. (laughs) What I was trying to do was shift my body composition. Exactly. Because, you know, your body, when you're looking at it, you've got water, you've got fat and lean tissue and and those are kind of the, the things you got going on there. You know, fat, water, and lean muscle mass, and then bone, of course. Um, and just like you said, I don't want to lose any bone, mm-hmm. right? But I could have stood to change over some of my percentage from fat tissue into muscle tissue um, because that was going to make me actually be in a more more efficient um, 
cardio athlete or, you know, when I dance or when I run, the more lean muscle tissue I have, actually, the more efficient I was going to be mm-hmm. at that. And actually, the, you know, the more actually um, respiratory capacity I was going to have as well, because I just used everything more efficiently. And so, you know, through the first year that I worked with my trainer, I mean, I think I moved five pounds on the scale, you know, down five pounds, not, you know, not anything for the degree of work that you you feel like you're putting in. And so, but you know, Desi, you have to think about this. I, I've actually gained three pounds working right? with a trainer. Right. Yeah. I'm saying that's not what the that's goal not, was. Because know? I've built muscle, which mm-hmm. was my goal, and I have lost some fat. Mm-hmm. I actually weigh more, right? but my clothes are loose. Right. So you and I have talked about this before. Um, the numbers on the scale, the scale knows nothing. It's yeah. very ignorant in yeah. terms of what our body fat percentage right. looks right. like. And I think, too, you know, if you if you are basing simply your success on how many pounds have changed on the scale, you're going to be pretty frustrated. If you really work out the way that you might need to, you are going to see a gain in terms of muscle Mm -hmm. weight, and it's heavier than fat. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's denser tissue. tissue. But there is a common kind of misconception as well that you kind of exchange the fat turns into muscle right. or the muscle turns into fat when I stop e- exercising. Right. They're actually two separate tissues. Right. They're not magic. <laughs> no, there's no magic. You know, you hear football players say, well, you know, when I quit playing football, all my muscle turned to fat. Mm-hmm. Well, they quit using the muscles as they were before. And so, yes, the body fat percentage went up and the muscle fat. T- you know, right. tissue decreased, right. but but that should be our goal is is to work towards that healthy, strong body. Mm-hmm. Not so much pay attention to the numbers on the yeah. scale. Yeah, and carbs are not the bad guy. Um, your muscles need those carbs to fuel your exercise. Right. That's what's going to give them that energy to actually lift have. things and move things <laughs> exactly. and not pass out and not <laughs> and not get so worn out so quickly. Right. You know, so you do need the carbs to sustain your activity. So just again. Picking the right, um, not not the right carbs, but perhaps the, the higher fueling nutrition carbs, right. fueling carbs, and and those that are what I call kind of empty calories, mm-hmm. kind of where they're pure sugar. You can have those occasionally. They're still not off the menu, but but we're talking about less often or a smaller portion. Yeah, you know, and that 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 means you can live your life. Yeah. You can go to the birthday party. Right. You can go to the family reunion, right. and you can enjoy the meal. Um, and if you employed some tricks like you and I were talking about a minute ago, um, eating your veggies and your protein first. source first, you might not even be hungry when right. you get to the mashed potatoes. Right. And so you're going to eat a smaller amount of them. You can easily eat a smaller amount. So so it's it's not an all or nothing sort of proposition. And your bodies are amazing. And they can take those nutrition, uh, the nutrition from the food mm-hmm. that we eat much better than they can get it from a supplement. Right. So we also don't want to say, well, I'm taking a probiotic, I'm taking a multivitamin, I'm taking a right. fish oil, I'm taking this, I'm taking that. You can spend a lot of money on those things. But what we know is your body actually extracts those nutrients better from, from the food from itself. Foods, yeah. So if, if we can get there, get in our minds that it's not about deprivation and not about all or nothing. I, th- I think we can all live a lot healthier, happier lives. And, and the quality of life is really important to me the older I get. <laughs> well, you know, it for me, I just want people to enjoy their life and mm-hmm. be happy. And and that can be accomplished it, through, it through picking not good foods or bad foods, but not putting foods in those categories that are then going to give you the guilt, guilt associated exactly. with the bad food. You know, I mean, I went to a birthday party Friday night. I actually made the cake for the little it was girl. Beautiful Did you love too. my little unicorn cake? It, it was, was sweet. And, you know, it was for a dietitian's kid. She had a piece of cake. I had a piece of cake. Little kid had a piece of cake. And we were okay with that because I've not put that in that category of this is bad. Now, mm-hmm. you know, did I eat cake for breakfast again the next day? I didn't. Now it's my birthday coming up this week. And so my mom came and made a cheesecake yesterday and did I devour a piece of that? I did. I enjoyed every single minute of it and every single bite of it. But I know that that's not what I'm going to do on a consistent basis. Right. All right. So let's go to Oxford. Oh, one of my favorite cities and talk to Bryn this morning. Hello. Hi, how are you this morning? I'm good. Is it Brian? Bryn. Bryn. Okay, I was just making sure it wasn't a typo. All right, Bryn. Uh, it, it happens before. <laughs> well, I've been called many, many things before. What can we do for you today? 
Well, you were just talking about moderation mm-hmm. and, and what it was, and right. I had an opinion. You know, I yeah. I, I think uh, like like everything, standards, dietary standards change. Mm-hmm. I can yes. remember as a kid, our coaches handing out salt tabs like candy. Right, exactly. And of course, then <laughs> ten years later, it was you know no salt. Don't do that. Um, right. Right. So I think we need moderation. What does it mean to have a moderate diet? What does right. moderation mean? Right. Uh, I think it's going to change as well. I think the the key is uh, that we have a we have a thoughtful diet. We're thinking mm-hmm. about yeah. what we eat. Um, we're conscious of its source and where it's coming from, and and we're, we're just thinking about what we put in our bodies. Now, I'm a I've had some dietary issues, health issues. I'm a total hypocrite. I love pizza, and, and we all <laughs> love pizza. <laughs> right, so I, I'm not I'm not practicing what I preach, but I am thoughtful and I enjoy that pizza mm-hmm. and I enjoy life and and. I, I do other things to compensate for, for that exactly. luxury. So uh, I think that's, you know, that's moderation for me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just thoughtful. I think and we as a society and as individuals just need to be more. I think, I think we sometimes uh, veg out when we eat or that's yes. not, oh, not just sometimes um, <laughs> the majority of the time we, we, yeah, we just have, we, we, we have thoughtless eating so much yep. thoughtless mm-hmm. eating. That's and, a really uh, good point. We need point. to break that cycle. Yep. Yeah. That's a really good point. In fact, there's a whole new uh, group of professionals that are pushing what we're calling mindful eating. Mm-hmm. So it's exactly mindful what you're talking eating. about. That's, mindful that's, eating. That's, you know, and you have that piece of cheesecake Josie had, you take a small bite and you, you savor the flavor and you get the, the 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 pleasure the ultimate pleasure out of it and you enjoy it but then you are not feeling deprived and you are able to enjoy it not right. feel guilty about it and then go back tomorrow to your regular sort of mindful eating habits and it takes a while to make those new habits yeah. so be patient you know, with I mean, yourself <laughs> how many times have you sat down to let's say a bag of chips and you're just you know, distracted, distracted, and you're just shoving them in, and then you reach for one, and there, the bag there are empty. no more, and you don't even <laughs> remember eating all of those, exactly. and so therefore you didn't enjoy all of those. Like for a chip, like I mean, if you know me, you know a Dorito is like my favorite chip in the world. I love a Dorito. I don't know what it is about it. If it's the they cheesy, taste good. Well, they do taste good. <laughs> if it's the cheesy fingers or what it is, but if I'm going to eat a Dorito. I am going to enjoy my Dorito. Like, I'm not going to sit in front of the TV and eat that. Like, I'm going to have some quiet time with my Doritos Mm -hmm. so that I appreciate them. And then I'm going to move on from that and not do that, you know, every day. But, you know, mindfulness-based eating, it can be a very powerful tool, not only in just everyday eating, but in folks who are suffering with um, eating disorders or with binge eating type disorders to try and reestablish a healthy dietary relationship your relationship with with food food. right and and you can think in terms of things like um you know am i eating because i am truly hungry you know rate your hunger and is it a one is it a six is it a 12 (laughs) on a scale of one to ten you know how hungry are you really are you um procrastinating doing something you don't want to do or are you upset or frustrated or depressed or angry and you know we 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 tend to to medicate ourselves Mm -hmm. one way or the other, alcohol, food, you know, other things that we probably know better, but it's a habit now that we feel sad, we, we eat. So, so if you can just catch yourself, um, before perhaps that, that binge eating opportunity happens and, and deal with the underlying cause that sadness or anger or frustration. And it's always great to, to work, towards the things that make you feel calm Mm -hmm. you know it can be meditation it could be a walk mine is always exercise Mm -hmm. that helps me feel calm and and it could be you know turning to um a book you know i lose myself in books Mm -hmm. and you know surface again the next day but you know that's a great way to just pick a a non-caloric way to Mm -hmm. you know to relax or relax right and that may be part of that new study that i was talking about where we eat more of our calories early Mm -hmm. in the day we've we've kind of become this society that gets home from work at five or six or seven in the evening that would be me and eat our biggest meal Mm -hmm. then and then perhaps do sit in front of the television and we need to veg out for a minute because our brains are full but we sit with a bag of of snacks or cookies or chips or something and we we tend to get a lot of calories Mm -hmm. late 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 in the evening and and we knew nighttime eating was an issue as far as weight and cardiovascular disease and diabetes 
but maybe that's this new study is right. is sort of showing that if we can reverse that trend a bit right. and and minimize that late night eating, we may see a big old difference in the way our bodies use food mm-hmm. and in general, we'd lose weight. Yeah, so. yeah absolutely. Yeah. All right, so we're going to continue that conversation and talk some more about some things that we can do, but we are going to run and take a quick break. Uh, we've got a couple callers on the line, and we will get to them as soon as we come back from this break. And now is your chance if you want to speak with us today. Our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We'll be back after the break. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell. Joining me in the studio today is Kathy Warwich, registered dietitian and certified diabetes educator and just all things nutrition that I love to have on the show and talk with. She has a wealth of information and knowledge about food and how it impacts our overall health, as well as adding in that exercise for an overall complete healthy package. If you want to give us a call, our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 As always, you can email me at fit at mpbonline.org. And we've been talking carbohydrates today and really trying to find a way to live in that moderate category where in terms comes to carbohydrates and more of those complex carbs that are full of vitamins and minerals and nutrients for us and a little less of the uh, simple ones, but that those aren't horrible and can be uh, an okay addition to your diet every now and then. And we've got a couple callers on the line. So first we're going to go to Mobile and talk to Mikey. Good morning, Mikey. Hey, good morning. What a wonderful show today. Thank you. Um, um, Thank you so much. Um, uh, The information you're giving me is very, very valuable. Um, But first of all, I'd like to just make a comment Mm -hmm. that may be slightly negative. Uh I hope not. (laughs) But um, we got to come up with a better term than vegging out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you. I, mean, you know, I mean, no criticism of the caller who used that because right. I've used it myself. But like I said, we got to come up with something better, especially if we're going to promote eating veggies. Eating ve- right? Maybe if we ate veggies while we vegged out, <laughs> that it would <laughs> it would yeah. work better. Yeah, I mean, but it, anyway, but um, and the Mediterranean diet thing. I mean, that's why the antipasti and the maybe the top, even the, the top is of course that's usually late later night, but all of that stuff. Um, uh, Meze, I think, and y'all can make fun of my mispronunciation. Okay. No, it's okay. I don't know any uh, Italian either. <laughs> you know, and stuff, but the, the Mediterranean, you know, some of the Mediterranean, because the Mediterranean is a large area, of course, mm-hmm. diet, you know, that's why, they, like you said, they start with the vegetables mm-hmm. or the vegetables mixed with proteins. And their proteins are a lot of times the plant-based protein, mm-hmm. you know, more of the beans, beans. and peas and, and nuts and, you know. Yes, ma'am. And um, and not only that, but then, you know, when they eat, the, by the time you get to the pasta or whatever that, you know, that's why they call it antipasta, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I before, guess so. before the pasta, I guess. Right, I do right. not speak Italian either. I'm, I bumble my way through a little <laughs> bit of French every now and then, and I can say about <laughs> six things in Spanish that have gotten me through my nursing career. But but um, I'm just a good old hardcore English speaker, I think, hey. most days out of the week. Um, You're ahead of me, but I'm still trying to learn. Um, but I wanted to say also, you know, our lives are complicated by things that, like, a teenage son. Mm-hmm. Um, having grown, I don't have one, but I have brothers who are now six four, 
they could eat up to 4,000 calories a day without blinking an eye. Right. right. If they're physically the active, they may the need more. Yeah. With the same, the rest of the fa- large family, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and uh, so that's, like I said, that, it seems to me that complicates things even more for people who are trying to have a good home life, mm-hmm. trying to have a good diet, trying to have dinner on the table for everyone, mm-hmm. and trying to have breakfast, too. Now, my question is, I hate eating breakfast. I have <laughs> since I was 13 years old. Now, if I'm going to eat breakfast, I would prefer something that's going to be dinner-like. Right. And in Mobile, it is so hot and humid, I usually don't feel like eating anything at all for a while. Right. So whatever suggestions you have... I would really appreciate yeah. thank you so much ladies thank you thank you mikey <laughs> well we, we you know we we miss we misspoke i guess but we but you don't have to eat breakfast foods right to have something to eat just in the, the timing of the day right yep. it's a uh, breaking the fast right and your body does look for you to break the fast so if you don't it thinks you're on a desert island somewhere and it's got to keep you alive until the right. ship can come and rescue you <laughs> and so what happens a lot of times your body slows your metabolism and hangs on to the fat you've got stored because it doesn't know when you might eat mm-hmm. so mikey it could be anything i mean it could literally be you know a piece of chicken and your broccoli from last night you had left over it really doesn't matter if it's breakfast uh, food at all it's just a matter of breaking the fast and there are a lot of folks who like to use a smoothie and they throw the you know throw the spinach throw the greek yogurt in there throw all your you know blueberries strawberries banana other things in there um peanut butter on a piece of toast it doesn't cheese toast it doesn't have to be anything real specifically Mm -hmm. breakfast like and um, and it's really all about just getting your body primed for the day and getting your calories, you know, kind of started to burn. Yep. Those, and the smoothie was my recommendation as well. When it's hot outside, a good, mm-hmm. cool Cold smoothie. Thing. It almost feels like you're having a milkshake for breakfast. That's what I tell myself anyway. <laughs> all right. Quickly, we want to get to our last caller, um, John in South Haven. Good morning, John. Hi there. Hey, how are you? I'm doing well. Good. What can we do for you today? Um. I wanted to mention Weight Watchers. Mm-hmm. I joined Weight Watchers oh, about five years ago and lost 40 pounds. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Um, my wife complains. She says I didn't marry a skinny man. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I'm a lot healthier. But I would also like to mention, if you look around... You can find foods, for example, I make a cheesecake from ricotta cheese. Mm-hmm. Yes. Which is lighter than cream cheese. Now, it has a little bit of, um, what is that, Italian cream cheese? Mascarpone. Uh, mascarpone. Mm-hmm. But um, it still has a lot fewer fat grams than uh, cheesecake made of cream mm-hmm. cheese. Mm-hmm. You're right. Uh, so if you look around, you can have three or four bites of that rather than one. Right, right. <laughs> it well, is about being intentional with the, the ingredients that you pick and, and how you do things. And a lot of yeah. times uh, folks don't notice when you make those substitutions at all. Um, yeah. You know, there are good I, I, recipes out there. And I would like to mention one other thing. All right. The thing that got me to lose weight was portion control. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, the, the portions that, that we receive in, in restaurants nowadays <laughs> are just humongous. In it's, fact, <laughs> I went to a Japanese restaurant the other day, and I had two meals from, yeah. from what... Uh, what they served me. Absolutely. And, and the same in the Mexican restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just way more than I can eat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I've learned since since I started using smaller portions, my stomach has has uh, accommodated to that. Mm-hmm. And, and so I don't need more food. Well, and you, you made a good point. One of the things I really love about 
you know, Weight Watchers and those type programs where they do offer a balanced diet is they are looking at the mindful eating side of it. The how big a plate am I eating from? How big are my portions? Am I really still hungry? I'm going to wait a few minutes before I go back for seconds because you give your stomach time to tell your brain that you're you're full and your stomach does shrink over time as you cut your portions. Mm-hmm. And that's a natural way then to cut your calories every day just just pick a smaller plate so you you're much to be commended that that's a that's a good uh, 40 pounds you lost and you're keeping it off that's the tough part Oh, thank you so much for your call this morning, John. And as always, this hour has flown <laughs> flown by, and we um, got to talk about a lot of great things. But, you know, kind of my parting tip there is when you eat out at a restaurant, ask for the uh, to-go plate, like a box, when they bring your food. And go ahead and cut that sucker in half and put half of it away, and I put mine under my chair. because so I, I can't see yeah, it. <laughs> if I leave it on the table, I will pick at it as it sits there. Me too. So, Kathy, thank you so much for joining me again and for bringing all this great new evidence that's out there about how we can build a healthier plate and how we can live um, healthier, happier lives and have a healthy relationship with food. Um, I always enjoy having you on the show. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And if you didn't get your question in, you can always send me an email at fit at mpbonline.org. We will not be on next week because it'll be Labor Day. So hope everybody has a happy Labor Day and a safe Labor Day weekend. And I'll see you the next week on Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. And be sure, sure to tune in every weekday at 11 for the full Southern Remedy lineup. And you've been listening to Southern Remedy. It'll be a repeat show next week. Um, so but they'll be here, but I just won't. So <laughs> hope you'll tune in and hear what we have playing for you next week. And you've been listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio.